we're here today live at the Opportunity Zone Summit being held in downtown Reno on March 19, 2019. Uh, and I have with me Corrado... DeGasparis. DeGasparis. <laughs> I appreciate the help. Uh, currently President and CEO of Comstock Mining, operating in the Silver Springs, Lyon County, Story County area. Uh, and of course, uh, Corrado is one of the presenter speakers at today's Opportunity Zone Summit. Uh, maybe I'll just kick it up to you and you can tell me a little bit about Opportunity Zones and how you're using them. Thank you, Fred. Surely, um, you know, it was sometimes better lucky than good. We, we'd been amassing properties for about 10 years, primarily on the Comstock load and mining and mineral claims, but we were expanding into industrial property, commercial property, even some hospitality properties. And when the legislation was passed and the new zones were nominated, we found ourselves sitting right in the middle of this opportunity, you know, no pun intended. Uh, with something like 75-80% of our properties literally being in the existing zones. We had been prospecting uh, advancements, uh, expansions, developments, and we were struggling to think about what the most efficient way to do that was. This presented itself to us, so we've created two new funds, the Comstock uh, Capital Partners Fund and the Silver Springs Capital Partners Fund, two very, very different theses. One is focused on the metals and mining chain, and one is focused on pretty much any other environmentally friendly business that's not metals and mining. And, and really the objective is to, to continue to expand the systems and develop new businesses as part of a new ecosystem. So we're hearing a lot of people today talk about taking good projects and make them a little better, or maybe taking marginal projects and making them feasible. It really has not been our thesis. Our thesis has really been to be creating something so much more significant that uh, requires a little bit more time to develop all the interconnected pieces, a little bit more time to develop the real estate and infrastructure, and maybe a little bit more time to develop the businesses. So uh, we're not slow. <laughs> don't, I don't want to come across the wrong way. But, but the complexity of creating an ecosystem, creating a community, doing it in partnership with the counties, doing it um, in the right entitlements. So, so those things require complex schedules and they require some patient capital. So this has really presented that opportunity for us. I think that's an excellent point and you know, probably something that you know, the public in general doesn't understand about you know, doing large complex projects is the time that it takes to go from concept to digging a hole in the ground to going vertical to actually opening up the completed project moving right. forward. Because one of the risks is that your partners, your capital partners, won't be patient enough to see it through. So, yeah, we'll invest in Manhattan, we'll invest in Chicago. The developers see low risk there because the wraparound is already in place. So you'll get small incremental benefits. But when you're talking about creating a new ecosystem, when you're talking about creating a new line of business, or when you're talking about creating a, or evolving an entire community, it, it, it won't happen otherwise. I, re I really think this legislation is profound. It is going to enable the creation of ecosystems that would not have been created. And this is the important point. People keep saying, well, it, it'll, it'll accelerate a project or two. Sure, it'll, it'll make a project uh, pencil that doesn't otherwise pencil. 
that's great. I don't want to disparage it, but it's very small in the context of what the potential is. To be able to look back in 12 or 15 years and say this whole ecosystem would not have even existed if it wasn't for this opportunity. And, and that's a, another critical point, you know, not only just in the context of normal, regular development in environments where that ecosystem exists, uh, but having to build that foundation that's supportive of growth and development um, especially given the target of opportunity zones being more economically distressed areas, having to build that sense that yes, investment can occur here, investment will be successful, but here's an incentive to have the patience. Right, right. and use, let's use Let's not use the Comstock load, which has had th reinvented itself three times already. Let's use Silver Springs. So Silver Springs is a community that has a community plan, has a master plan, ha has now got USA Parkway connecting it, frankly, to the rest of northern Nevada, for lack of a better word. Uh, community leaders, uh, commissioners, uh, business people who, who, who see it could enable it, could support it, but the capital is not patient enough to, or, or, or visionary enough to see what they've positioned. So now this is the spark. This is the enabler that actually will allow, and, and this is a community that's embracing these developments, you know, in a responsible way. Um, actually now it's, it's almost like you had eight of the 10 pieces in place. And now these other two really are, you know, the, the way to get over the hump. You know, so and, and in that regard, again, I think with hindsight, it, it's going to we're going to be stunned at what this enabled. And, 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 and again, I, I, I think as someone who's worked in the development world from the public sector perspective, working for city redevelopment agencies, uh, there are a lot of developers that are very much low hanging fruit. They want the ecosystem in place today because they want to, you know, build a project, finish the project, flip the project. Very low risk, very take low it done. Risk, right. You know, cash out. Uh, and like you said, providing that, you know, final bit of incentive tool, you know, to be patient, make the investment, and then realize the long term gains is so critical. Right. And to your point, the former we won't disparage because we welcome responsible development but let's distinguish a responsible development with an incremental value as compared to so that that example won't help silver springs they won't go to silver springs they see that as too risky so now we can enable a new a new community with 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 community residents that embrace it and it's such a such a critical point is to you know, play that matchmaker to almost to a certain degree. Finding a developer or investment group or investor, you know, who beyond just the, the dollars and cents and pencil of the project right. really wants to see a community succeed. Well, I'll tell you, I agree with you. Uh, you know, the, the, to, 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 there's, a, there's another distinction I'll make. To truly enable something like we're talking about, we're not looking for people who are investing. We're looking for people who are vested. I mean, in other words, we, we are committed to making this community uh, prosper. We're committed to making this community more meaningful uh, than it would otherwise have been if it wasn't for this. And that takes a different level of commitment. It takes money for sure, but it also takes 
blood, sweat, and you know sometimes tears. tears. <laughs> yep, yep, <a> <laughs> uh, to finally realize that that end vision for a community or a particular project. Uh, well, Corrado, um, I appreciate you sitting down with me uh, for a very quick podcast. My pleasure. This is Fred Steinman, Assistant Research Professor with the College of Business at the University of Nevada, Reno. Uh, and with me, speaking at the Opportunity Zone Summit being held in downtown Reno on March 19, 2019, is the architect of Opportunity <laughs> Zones in Nevada, the one and only Corey Hunt. Corey, thanks for sitting down with me today. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Fred. I appreciate it. I don't think that title is quite appropriate, <laughs> but uh, glad glad to talk about Opportunity Zones. Well, great. Uh, you, of course, uh, before uh, your current position working with Applied Analysis, uh, you were working with the Governor's Office of Economic Development, uh, and it was at that time where Opportunity Zones were just coming uh, into, into the forefront with the federal legislation, the job the Tax Job Cut Act, whatever it was. Um, perhaps you could, you know, just give me uh, and, and our listeners an overview of what you think the opportunities, no pun intended, for Opportunity Zones in Nevada are. Sure. So I think the program was well designed from a perspective of looking at um, trying to encourage the investment of patient capital in areas that have traditionally not seen that. I, I completely agree with uh, all of the great work that's been done by many others uh, around the investment on the coasts and um, lacking investment in the heartland. And I think if we can't, with our proximity to uh, San Francisco and California, um, encourage investment here in Reno, I don't. I think the chances of doing that even further into the country are, are even that much harder just from a geographic proximity perspective. So um, as a whole, I think the Opportunity Zone program has great potential. Um, now I think um, our local governments and government bodies are trying to struggle with, you know, what is our role? It's really up to the market. We don't have any approval. Um, you know, we don't have any say in if they get the Opportunity Zone incentives, but what is the appropriate role for government to take here? And so, you know, we get into conversations about expedited permitting that are necessary to be able to um, comply with the provisions of the law just because there are many timing requirements. Um, I think there's talk of uh, complementary incentives. So how can we um, additionally show investors that we understand, you know, that it may be challenging to make a project pencil in this area because there hasn't been a bunch of other uh, traditional investment. And so what can we do in that regard? Um, so I think the potential is great. Um, I think uh, it's incumbent upon all of our communities to really rally around this opportunity um, and, and around this program to put our best foot forward to the uh, national investors who are looking to invest in these communities and say, you know, look, we understand what it, what we understand what we need. These are our values. These are our priorities. And if there are investors that want to invest towards that goal, we're willing to um, partner with you in that way to make sure that you can meet the different requirements that are required of this law and realize those incentives. So, um, I'm excited, but I'm also, um, you know, recognize that there's still a lot of work to be done. I don't think if we sit on our laurels. Um, you know, I, I think that there's great potential that this money skips over places like Reno um, or, or Las Vegas um, because there are other communities all over the country that are meeting, you know, on a monthly basis or bi-weekly basis to talk about. Here's what we want Opportunity Zones to look like in Denver or in Cincinnati or in Detroit or in Baltimore. Um, so, so we've got some work to do. Absolutely. One thing I wanted to maybe talk about a little bit more that, that you 
briefly raised uh, in those initial comments uh, is this idea of the role of the public sector. Uh, you know, historically in the world of economic development, uh, the public sector's role was confined to workforce development, you know, educating the public so that they could get a job at mm -hmm. a private sector mm -hmm. organization. Uh, maybe more recently it was about, well, what can we do to expedite planning and permitting? Uh, and then even more recently, the use of, you know, special tax incentives, redevelopment, special assessment mm -hmm. districts, uh, and the like. The opportunities don't seem to be unique in that it's almost a fully private sector incentive, that the, the role for government um, is almost secondary to the advantages that firms and investors have in putting real dollars in economically distressed areas. That said, there's still a role for government to a certain degree. In relationship to opportunity zones, what do you feel is the role for government in the public sector? Um, <clears throat> I think first and foremost is is demonstrating to the development community and to investors that you understand the challenges that they face. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be an adversarial process or something that's seen as, you know, we're on opposite sides of the table on this. And so I recognize that that's a very touchy-feely thing. But I think that also gets down to understanding that there are things like costs of carry, where if you're sitting on a project and you've, you have financing on that project, that costs you money for uh, the time that it takes to delay. And then when you add in the potential penalties that are under the Opportunity Zone Act, if you don't meet your 30-month investment requirement or you don't meet your substantial improvement, because you're being held up for um, certain entitlements or approvals, there's a real fiscal cost to, uh, to, to, um, you know, to a capital investor in, in that regard. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think that's one thing that government should be aware of. I think, um, I think looking at different opportunities to um, combine different incentives or programs and maybe make them more efficient. So if you have a redevelopment area, or redevelopment agency, is there a way that we can kind of reignite some of that? Um, is, is um, you know, maybe we don't talk about the as much tax increment financing or as many tax incentives as might have been otherwise promised under a project um, with the Opportunity Zone incentive in play. Um, but at the same time, I think there's opportunity to stack with other federal programs, the new market housing tax credits, the low-income housing tax credits. Um, so I, I, I guess I, I just don't agree with the notion that government doesn't have a role. Although this is where capital invest, you know, capital and the market is going to determine where it goes. I think there's a reason that capital hasn't gone to these areas, and so if government doesn't get involved, you're kind of ignoring that um, it's harder for folks to make these projects pencil because they don't have the track record, they don't have the other, um, you know, vacancy rates or or the neighborhood that they can draw from for a workforce, and so. Um, not not getting involved, uh, I think, is just something that we can't afford to do. Absolutely, and you raise an interesting point, and, and one I completely agree. I I always thought that this forced choice between public sector or private sector uh, being a false choice. You know, the public sector and the private sector both have a vested interest in seeing these designated areas reignite and right. become economic drivers, not just for the community, but for the entire state itself. Um, so if there are ways, you know, to get the public sector and the private sector working together, yeah. meet mutually beneficial goals, ultimately it's beneficial for the resident, 
business owner, the property owner, why wouldn't you take right, that opportunity? Right, right. And to help the communities that these opportunity zones are found in the state of Nevada. I mean, you look at the, the poverty level and the education level and the number of um, traditionally underrepresented communities that are there are underserved communities that are represented in these opportunity zones, so minority populations and uh, you know English language learners and all of these folks who have have been you know skipped by other economic development opportunities to have a business right next door. Um, you know, obviously there are concerns about gentrification, but just having that additional investment in their community is going to raise raise property values. Um, it's going to give them opportunities for new employment that's closer to home, so they can overcome transportation issues or childcare issues. Um, so I think we owe it to that, those communities to do everything we can to help them. And so, uh, again, I, I, I completely agree. It's a, it's a false choice to say it's either, either or. Um, I think it's a must um, for, for the people of Nevada. But, and again, especially in the Opportunity Zone, that's, that's viewed as an economically distressed area. Um, these are areas, as you pointed out, investment has overlooked, uh, gone to neighborhoods with lower hanging fruit, if you will. Yeah. And there are real challenges that have to be overcome in these zones. So here you have a new financing tool, you know, designed to create patience, you know, to right. create incentivized investment. Absolutely critical tool to benefit everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the the incentives, the real incentives, don't kick in in this pro, in this um, program for ten years. Um, so, you have to hold your investment in the zone for ten years, and so that's that's bringing a different type of capital into the region, I think, as well. So, it's someone that's more community minded, right? It's not someone that's looking for a quick flip, uh, a two year or a five year. There, you the real incentive for investors is at that ten year or longer period, and so they're going to be interested in making sure that that community is sustainable and that they're making an investment in a way that's smart and not overbuilding or overpricing or thinking that you're going to be able to command downtown New York rents in downtown Reno, right? And so, um, you know, because that capital is on the line and there's no federal grants or something that are, you know, oh, well, if this doesn't work, then nobody, no harm, no foul, it's just federal money, um, you know, this is private capital. And so it's been said on your podcast before, uh, this doesn't make a bad deal deal good, it makes good deals better, and so those private investors are going to look at that and have every incentive to make sure that it's something that's successful over 10 years. If it goes belly up, there's no benefit for them. Um, so, you know, and then I think the other kind of ancillary point there is that these are federal dollars that we're kind of uh, playing with, uh, <laughs> um, for, you know, to use the term lightly, uh, loosely, but um, so why wouldn't we go after it? I mean, they're not state dollars that are being deferred or tax dollars that are being deferred. And so we should take every opportunity to make sure that those are used effectively. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, Corey, thanks for taking a, a minute or two to sit down with me and talk about Opportunity Zones. Thank you. Again, Corey Hunt is with uh, Clyde Analysis, uh, highly reputable firm throughout the state of Nevada. does a lot of great economic uh, community analysis uh, for local governments uh, and state government throughout the state of Nevada, uh, I would strongly encourage you to go online, uh, look at the work Applied Analysis has done, uh, and maybe even reach out to Corey uh, about some of the needs for your local community as well. Thanks, again, Fred. Again, thanks, Corey. Very kind of you. Take care.